the Apollo Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I'm one of your hosts, Chris McGeehy. You can find me on Twitter at Chris B. McGeehy. Joining me this week, fresh off of a tumultuous time in his life, fresh off of recording, Des, I'm sure it's probably another excellent episode of Beyond the Diamond. We've got Apollo Des here with us, guys. Des, what's going on, man? Uh, You know... I, I stood in front of everyone after the World Series loss and said the sun was going to come out the next day, and it's been partly cloudy, rainy, and cold for the last 48 hours, and the sun hasn't came out. So I'm not going to be a weatherman, and I'm not going to be a handicapper because I keep saying Texas is back on this podcast, <laughs> and it never happens. So uh, I'm doing good, uh, but my sports uh, ego and everything else with that sucks right now. Emotionally, you're a little drained. Physically, you're a little drained. Yes. But I see you hydrating. I see you've been trying to catch up on your sleep patterns. And uh, you know, look, man, that's the that's the nature of sports. And but you know what? It's also the great thing about sports because now baseball season's over, and yet there's no rest for the wicked, buddy, because we've got college football to talk about. Amen. Amen. We do this weekend. We decided to do a mailbag episode and so we've got a bunch of different topics that uh, that we were asked about that we want to get into, and we've got to start with this one uh, because how can we not? Justin wants to know, does Texas need to make the special teams coordinator's pet monkey the new head coach? And Des, I, I know it's a, it's a funny-ass question, but I wanted to get this question from Justin in because I do think it's worth a discussion just in terms of why can't UT ever just be normal, man? What the hell is going on in Austin? Like, do you, first of all, do you want to give everybody kind of the background of this story that came out and, and then let's talk about it a little bit? Yeah. So I, I forget that people aren't recruit nuts and on these message boards like I am. So, like, I knew about the pet monkey, like, in, like, before Jeff Banks came over from, like, I knew when it was still in Alabama, he had it. So, to bring everyone up to speed, um, this is actually a masterclass of how not to tweet when a pet monkey bites a child during Halloween in your neighborhood. Like this is it's a masterclass because you have a the tight end special teams coach <laughs> Jeff Banks, um, who has now left his family, has a new girlfriend who happens to be an exotic dancer at the time when they met. Can you who happens to have a pet monkey that is hers. Let, let me cut you off just real quick because we can't go any further in this story until after you tell everybody what the dancer's name was. I don't even know her, her stage oh, name. Okay. Oh, let, no, no. Yeah, I do. I do. Pole assassin. Pole assassin. Pole assassin. Look. Jesus great Christ, marketing. man. Great marketing. It's, it's all out there in front. Um, <laughs> All this happened at Alabama. This didn't happen in Austin, Texas. Like this all happened in in, in, in Saban's backyard. Okay, so this is not a oh. a Texas thing. This is an Alabama thing. So let me just preface that. So he makes the move to Austin. She, the pole assassin lady, <laughs> makes the move to Austin. The pet monkey moves to Austin, Texas. Well, apparently, uh, she threw a party. 
it, she said Jeff wasn't there. You know, he was probably out recruiting, which is is funny in itself. She throws a, a house party for Halloween and separates church and state where the church part is the the monkey is in his in his cage away from the patrons. And then the state part is where the party's happening. And supposedly a child was bit by the pet monkey and it the Internet went ablaze with it. And then Miss Pole Assassin decided to just tweet through it. Not no comment, not my lawyers are handling this. No. Step by step, play by play, literally admitting essentially that this incident happened. And um, yeah, you're going to be guilty in the court of law when that actually goes to court because she filmed herself. And, and honestly, it's like a three, three tier level defense of like a gate, a secondary gate, a pool, and then a third gate where it looked like a freshly painted sign that says do not enter. That was like the best part of it. It was like the sign that she probably just wrote like, Hey, emotional. I think it said emotional stress animal. Do yeah. not stick your fingers in yeah. the cage. And then you have this el- elaborate cage for for the for Mister Mister Junior Pole Assassin. I guess what the monkey is. <laughs> <laughs> and she just tweeted all of it. She just tweeted threw it all out there. And then like forty five minutes later, she probably had to get a call from the SID department and was like, "Please stop fucking tweeting," because then she just deleted her account. Oh yeah, the internet has it forever. Apparently, the the look, man, I I can't decide what my favorite part of of this story is, right? Because first of all, let me just say this: if I'm ever trying to party on Halloween, I'm trying to do it (laughs) at somebody's house named Pole Assassin. Like, like if I've got two invitations sitting in front of me, and one of them is from Tony, and the other one is from Pole Assassin, I'm going to Pole Assassin's party, and I'm not I'm not even thinking twice about it. Okay. Secondly. I, didn't I want to party with Pole Assassin and the pet monkey, though. Well, at this point, I don't know if you want to, honestly. Well, but, not anymore. Now that, like, someone got bit. Look, I mean, okay, so first of all, I didn't know that emotional support monkeys were a thing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I That's honestly, it's not a sentence that I ever thought that I would have to say, but here we are. And second of all, I, I honestly, I think my favorite thing throughout of all of this is uh, she's like, yeah, he bit a kid, but... I, it wasn't that bad, guys. Like, can we all just chill? And I mean, Jesus Christ, Des. I, and then doubling and tripling down with the videos. Absolutely. Just at being like, look, I this isn't my fault and it's not the monkey's fault. Clearly. It's the child's fault. Yeah. It's the child's I, fault. He should know better than to go around my emotional support monkey on oh. Halloween. But you know what? Des, look, I... We had to start with it, man. Okay, I'm I sorry. I, I know I that it. you have had a, a a tough time between you know UT and you know losing on the field, and now of course you know the what will forever be referred to as the stripper monkey incident. Um, but uh, we had to get it out there for the listeners. So now I've got to ask you this. Okay, uh, we had another question come in from Ryan, and he wants to know he, it, it's twofold. What do the initial college football playoff committee rankings mean for Cincinnati and Oklahoma? And secondly, what are your thoughts about the committee's rankings in general? So let's kind of break it down and let's start here. So Cincinnati, they're ranked second in the AP top 25. They are ranked second in the coaches poll. 
And yet when the college football playoff committee rankings come out, Cincinnati is sitting at sixth. There are three teams ranked above them with at least one loss. Well, with one loss, um, that being Alabama, Oregon, and Ohio State, all ranked over Cincinnati. So when you saw these rankings drop, what lessons did you learn about Cincinnati here? They just have no respect for them. And uh, they're 8-0. I get it. It's Cincinnati. But the disrespect, the absolute disrespect to this team. And I, I SMU losing to U of H hurt Cincinnati's resume, right? Is It's because now – if SMU was undefeated, it would have been really good for them if they knocked them off. I mean, all they could do is control what they could control and go undefeated and yep. and see what happens. But, I mean, just the disrespect to Cincinnati is wild. Look, I, I think we learned right here that until until they, they join the Big 12, it doesn't matter how good they are, they're not going to be in the playoff discussion, period. Um I hate it. I've been on the record on this podcast, you know, basically all season saying, I hope that Cincinnati is in. And yet the only way they're getting in is if Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State all suffer a second loss and Oklahoma drops one down the road at some point. Because, I mean, without it, I don't see how they're going to crack the top four. Um, But, hell, at this point – it wouldn't even I wouldn't even put it past the committee to rank like a, a two loss Alabama ahead of Cincinnati. Yeah. And I mean at this point, like if you're Cincinnati, the hell are you supposed to do? You know, you you've won all your games, but now at this point, they're they're basically saying one, you still only won one real game, and two, you've slightly struggled, even though you've won. And so I mean, at this point, do they just need to beat everybody by 40? And even if they do, does it matter? So I think the math of this works where – so Michigan State and Ohio State still got to play each other, right? So yeah. uh, sorry, Sparty, if you lose that game, you're probably going to fall past Cincinnati, right? It, they probably it, – it is what it is at this well, point. Ohio State I mean, loses. I, I don't know because, I mean, Michigan State would still have a win against Michigan, who the committee – even after losing to Michigan State, the committee's got Michigan ranked seventh right now. I mean – and they, it looks like they've shown that they value wins more than losses, which is why, you know, they've got Oregon up there. They discounted Ohio State's loss to Oregon. They've certainly discounted Oregon's loss to a three and five Stanford team. And, you know, I mean, Alabama, of course, their loss was to a ranked Texas AM team. But I, I, th- I think at this point, like, I, even if Michigan State loses one, because of the schedule they've played, I still think they might be ranked ahead of Cincinnati. Okay, so in this scenario, I think Cincinnati needs Michigan State to beat Ohio State. Yep. So I, there's no way a two two loss Ohio State team jumps Cincinnati, um, <clears throat> and then you have to have Oregon trip up. Even with all that happening, and Cincinnati is now four, a undefeated Oklahoma that wins the Big Twelve is going to get in. Is going to be ahead of. Cincinnati. So Cincinnati absolutely literally needs OU to trip up. They need um, Ohio State probably to lose instead of Michigan State, and then they need Oregon to trip up. That's not a lot of outs. Um, God, that sucks. You're looking like an undefeated team playing, being ranked five or six in the season. Yep. Mm. Well, 
All right, look, I mean, we, we've kind of gone through Cincinnati here. Um, I mean, I, I hate it. But for the them. disparity, like you said, Cincinnati's two in the AP. Exactly. I like mean, there, there's a huge disconnect. I, I mean, and Oklahoma's four in the AP, but eighth in the committee's rankings. Meanwhile, Michigan, you know, again, Michigan's ranked up there. Uh, Ohio State, Oregon, they're both up there. And the only one that, that seemed to stay pretty consistent was Wake Forest for the committee. I mean, but I guess we'll see how it plays out with, with Cincinnati. Honestly, I'm pulling for him because here's the thing. No matter, I think no matter what team gets into that four spot, they're probably going to get destroyed, right? Like we see that basically every single year in the playoffs. I mean, it's happened to Michigan State before. It's happened to Notre Dame. I mean, that four seed is just fodder for whoever's marching along. And, you know, but let Cincinnati at least try it, man. You know, they, they've won enough games now that, at least I would hope that you would give them some consideration. But we you touched on them a little bit, but what lessons did you learn with these rankings about Oklahoma? I mean, they're 9-0. I know that they haven't really played anybody. They've had some really ugly wins. But at the same time, they're a Power 5 undefeated team, and they're ranked eighth. Yeah, I think the committee just kind of went with – they have their biggest games coming up and it's kind of like, okay, we're going to put you here. You you'll move up if you win just because you're Oklahoma and you're in the big 12, but they have to go on the road to play Baylor right next week. Yep. Then they have Iowa state at home. Iowa state obviously hasn't played up to their potential. We thought they were going to be this year. And then you go to Stillwater for Bedlam. So obviously with Caleb Williams now at, at, at quarterback and the dude is like a, a Vince young light um, I I've, I feel like they're a way better team than they are with with Rattler, but I still think the committee was just like, hey, you just have some big games coming up. We you haven't really won um in a blowout fashion or an OU fashion, so to say, uh, of years past. So let's um let's just put you right here as like almost like a placeholder, and then let's see what happens when you go on the road for these two of these three games. Yep. All right, buddy. Uh, we're about to get out of here for our first break, but just do you have any overarching lessons from the rankings that, that the committee put out here? Do you do you take anything away that where you can kind of point to and say, you know, next week, depending on certain results, this is what you expect to happen going forward? Yeah, I would I'd, I would like to talk to the committee about UTSA. <laughs> Justice for UTSA. There ain't no. Yeah. Trailer's got and, the boys. I'm a big Jeff Trailer fan. And, he just and, turned down the tech job. He's staying there. Got a fat extension. And not even ranked. At not even all. ranked. Couldn't even U of get H. him the 25th spot. U of H yeah. had ran seven in a row. I mean, look, we we beat, knew that this, beat SMU. No, yeah, no respect, I, dude. I mean, the Raging Cajuns are seven and one. They're not ranked, as you said. SMU, I, Fresno State is the only one. And yeah, I. I mean, we've known this for a long time, but the college football playoff committee is for the big boys. And uh, and I guess if you are non-Power 5, you're going to learn that lesson at some point. That Mississippi State, I feel, is a little inflated at 17. Five and three, 
Yes, they have a win against at a at A and M. Yep. They beat Kentucky. They also um, lost to a four and four LSU team that has they, looked like shit all year and got their shit pushed in against Alabama, forty nine and nine. Like, yep. obviously, they have a lot of games left, right? They got Arkansas, still Auburn, and, and Ole Miss. So, uh, but to see that in the middle of the pack, like as a, as that middle placeholder, it just didn't. I mean, when they've got a five and three Mississippi State team ranked ahead of an eight and zero UTSA team, I mean, and, and not even that they have Ole Miss at at sixteen at six and two. I feel like Ole Miss is is a way better team than Mississippi State, and only have a, a one spot difference of it is it just doesn't seem kind of seems dirty. And look, the AP poll would absolutely agree with you, but I I guess the committee is going to do what the committee wants to do, man. Yeah. All right, buddy, we are headed to break, and when we come back, we are going to address some more questions. And welcome back, everybody, to the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I'm your host, Chris. I am here with my co-host, Dez. Dez, look, man, we have talked about stripper monkeys. We've talked about the rankings. Now... We have to talk about another question that came in that is kind of a big picture question here. And we've now seen more teams jettison their coaches before the season has even finished. Um, We've seen UConn, Georgia Southern, USC, LSU, TCU, Akron, Texas Tech, and Washington State all get rid of their coaches. Now, There are some of those where, you know, like, for instance, Washington State, that wasn't so much a a performance thing as it was, you know, the whole unvaccinated thing. Um, But, Des, big picture, what do you make of the practice of getting rid of coaches before the end of the season? And is it here for the foreseeable future? I mean, we saw uh, Lincoln Riley you know, he was very displeased with TCU getting rid of Gary Patterson after everything he's done for them right in the middle of the season. So, you know, just lay it on us. You know, uh, is this is this a good practice? Is it horrible for the sport, the schools? And is it going to be here for a while? Yeah, I think so. I think I think schools and the front office. Um, when I say front office, the uh, AD department, everything like that, have have made decisions where when they get rid of the coach in the middle of the season like this, one, it, they let it, they're not letting it run its course, but two, you're kind of telling and showing everyone like, Hey, look at me, this job's going to be open and you can start back channeling. We know all about back channeling with agents and, and boosters and all that stuff. So I think that's the way it's kind of doing it. And it almost seems like if that's what the market is doing, there's no incentive to wait to the end because all these other jobs are showing out. Right. So we know the USC jobs there. We know the LSU job. We know all this that if I'm an up and coming coach, my agent's doing, you know, backdoor deals and, and trying to leverage spots and be like, hey, you know, are you the guy? Are you not going to be the guy? And so I just think that's where we are in the sport today. It's not that Black Friday where, you know, all the coaches are getting fired and then the coaching carousel is firing up then. It's no, it's starting in the middle of the season. You think this is going to be here for a while or do you think there is any way that it kind of goes back to the way it was before no i think it's uh i think it's gonna be here for a while okay let me ask you this then what effect do you think this has on 
the early signing period and recruiting throughout the season. Do you think this is a short-term hit for a more long-term gain in terms of recruiting? Or how, how do you see this playing out for some of these schools? That's a good question because, one, the schools are probably going to lose those, those recruits no matter what. You commit to the coach most of the time, some of the time to the school. The other aspect of it is it allows the new staff to come in and allows them to, to be able to sell the school before they even step in with their hires, right? So if I'm, if I'm USC, USC kind of sells itself, not recently, but traditionally with Southern California, yep. you know, the, the cheerleaders, the hanging out with Snoop Dogg, all that stuff. If I'm jockeying my position to see who, who the next head coach is, that's an easier sell than, let's say, Iowa. Let's say Illinois. Let's say someone that does that. So that it's already built in for those previous Blue Bloods or, or those schools. LSU, for example. LSU is a, is a, a two years, three years removed from their national championship. You know the talent in the state. That's a product to sell. I think those establishments and those schools have a better – opportunity than like TCU, right? TCU is going to be as a harder thing to sell to recruits to keep them in the boat yep. when a coach is fired midseason. Because now you also have the portal. Now you have to keep the guys that you have on campus to stay on campus. But when you're LSU or USC, you have the benefit of the doubt, for lack of better words, be like, yeah, I want to play football in in baton rouge i want to play football in southern california it's those other schools that i think that are not going to have uh that built-in advantage when this kind of shakes out okay that you know what that's 100 percent fair um and I, you know i've got a i've got a follow-up question for you here and this one's a little more specific uh but you've mentioned both lsu and tcu in our discussion about this and we saw virtually the same scenario play out at both schools each athletic department went to the head coach in LSU's case. That was at Orgeron, of course. And then at TCU, it was Gary Patterson. And they went to these coaches and they said, Hey, look, we appreciate what you've done, but when this season is over, you're out period. Yeah. We've made our decision. And at LSU coach O said, Hey, you know what? Cool. Let me finish out the season strong. Um, you know, I'm going to try to help get these players through the end of the season. And you know what? This is a showcase for me for my next job to show, you know, what I can still do. And at TCU, we saw the exact opposite where, you know, they came to Gary Patterson. And they said, hey, man, you know, at the end of the season, you are out. And he said, why wait? You know, if I'm going to be out anyways, I'm out now. And, you know, it was just announced that his departure was effective immediately. So, between the way both of those scenarios played out, do you – boy, this is a little tricky, but should the coaches have any moral obligation to their players? Should they have – you know, is there a certain way that you want coaches to handle this when schools present them with this scenario? Yeah, I think it's twofold, right? One, the angle of, like, you're quitting on your team when you're, you're fired already, essentially, or being let go or re however they want to phrase it. Uh, the other one is, 
I see both sides. I see what Patterson was like, Hey, there's no point in me, me staying here and, and not poisoning the well, so to say, but if I'm not the coach, let's get someone else in there. Maybe it's someone in-house you want to bring in and, and do that. And, and I don't want that distraction or you have the other flip side where you have Ed Ogeron staying and, and being with the guys, his players, all that stuff to the very end. Um, I don't think it's whatever coach decision, whatever coaches decisions make, I don't think it's could be viewed right or wrong because they weren't the ones put in that predicament. It falls on the AD department. Um, I think they're the bad guys, so to say. Um, but I don't think there's a, Either way you do it, I don't think there's a negative connotation to it just because it it, it wasn't them that made that decision um, at the end of the day. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, one last question before we move on from this topic, and just because I'm interested in this specifically, Gary Patterson was with TCU since, what was it, like 2001, 2002, something like that. He's been there like 20 years. Um, it. He's one of those where he is so entrenched in TCU, like Gary Patterson is TCU, at least that's the way that I view it. Obviously, you're another in-state guy. You've seen Gary Patterson. You watch your team play his year in and year out. What do you see his next move being? Do you think he takes another job, or do you think this is it for him? And if he does take another job, what type of school do you see him going to? I'm not not necessarily a specific school, but you know, does he go to a, a smaller school and just help try to build the program? Does he go, you know, to another name school? What are we looking at? Yeah, so Patterson has always been a thorn in my side as a Texas fan, right? He's just owned us, but I also think back to those those times where he made all the Rose Bowl games, right? Like the Andy Dalton days, the the teams where he just. He had a great defense. They they always punched up. They always played hard. Um, I mean, shoot, they built a statue out of the guy when he was still coaching there at in Fort Worth. So um, I think he's totally capable. I don't think he needs to go to a Saban rehab, you know, spot and, and go be there. I, I think he could totally find a job. Um, it would be it would be funny if he went to Texas Tech. I don't think Texas Tech is kicking tires on that, but where the Patterson thing kind of, I don't think is going to, can be replicated at another school is because he had so much power as a head coach. Like he, he was almost an assistant AD. That's how much power he had at, at TC. That's why he never left really anywhere else when he was winning all those games because he, he got to do what he wanted to do yep. and control that program through and through. When you go to a new spot, that's a not that's a lot of variables. You know, you're not really used to. Um, when Del Conte was at TCU, you know, he let Patterson really run free reign and, and control it all, and it worked. They won a lot of games. They won a lot of big games. So I don't know if it's there's gonna have to be an ego check for him and whoever that next AD is because if not, they're gonna be butting heads within the end of the first year. I gotta tell you, uh, I think it was. 2016 if i'm not mistaken uh they had a game against baylor and boy that was one of the most fun games that i've watched you know there's there certain games that stand out you know in, in your mind um obviously you know usc texas or um for me as an lsu fan i've got a couple of lsu games throughout the years that i will remember a lot more than than others 
Um, but that TCU Baylor game, I like I said, I think it was 2016. Jesus, man, that was fun. And that's how I want to remember Gary Patterson's team, which is why it's been a little disappointing to see a little bit of a backslide over the last couple of years with him. But uh, but I mean, hopefully, you know, he lands somewhere and and can get back to doing what he loves, man. For sure. I mean, he's he's a great coach. I hate saying that out loud. It makes me want to throw up. But man, he had those defenses rocking and rolling, and, and he's always had. Uh, it's always been a thorn in, in my side at Texas. Yep. All right, buddy. We now have to get to a question that was submitted to us from Kyle, and he wants to know how big a favorite are the undefeated national. I'm sorry, the undefeated defending national champion Sam Houston State Bearcats over the winless Dixie State Trailblazers. And, Daz, I got to tell you, uh, if he was being literal, I hate to break it to Kyle, I could not find an actual point spread for this game. Okay, but I still wanted to bring this question up because I think it leads to a larger discussion here. Kyle sounds like a a big Sam Houston guy, so I think he should enjoy this. But really, I kind of wanted to talk more about uh, Sam Houston with with all of the conference realignment going on. Okay, Sam Houston, just to kind of give you. Uh, context for where they are at right now, Kyle is 100% right. They are the undefeated reigning national champions of the SCS level. They are uh, they're riding an 18-game winning streak going into this weekend, okay? And what intrigues me is with all of the conference realignment that has gone on, it is announced it was announced that Sam Houston is going to be one of those teams joining uh, Conference USA, CUSA, in the at the FBS level uh, sometime over the next couple of years. And so I wanted to present it to you like this, Des. What kind of expectations can a school like Sam Houston have coming up to the FBS level? I mean, they obviously they're a powerhouse right now where they're at, at their, at their current, basically division two level. It's the old division two level. Um, They're coming up to one of the lower conferences at the FBS level, but it is still a jump, man. So realistically, what kind of success or lack thereof, if you, if you're leaning that way, do you think that the Bearcats could experience when they make that move? Yeah, I think they're gonna they're they're gonna be a program early on if they want to make a statement is hitting the portal hard. Um, just being in Texas, being um, in this in this melting pot of talent here in Texas on the high school level, you can grab a lot of kids that way that can come to Sam Houston, especially with the product now you're selling. That hey, you're playing D one ball now, um, and also the portal bringing kids back home that you know. They went somewhere else, you know, high four-star type guys and, and and getting them over there. I think that's the way to attack it um, because they have one and, and they're defending national champions and, they're, and they've, they're winning a lot of games this year. And I just looked up on the Action Network. They're only three and four against the spread this year. That's not good. They're seven and oh, but they're three and four against the spread. <laughs> so I think they'll beat Dixie State College Red Storm handedly. So I think they'll cover the spread, whatever that number is posted. Probably going to be an outrageous number, but – um, the fact of the matter is, I think the way they should attack it is being, Hey, come back home. 
kids that are go out of state, they bounce around, they're not playing, come back home and play with us. Or the way to other framing is going to get kids that are like high, high three star, low three stars. You can just load up that way. Look at UTSA. Yeah. I would probably follow that model. Coach Trailer knows it well. Um, he's a, a high school head coach that won a lot of games and won some state championships at, um, where was he at? Out in East Texas. Um, but other than that, if you attack that route, I think that's the way to go. Use that UTSA model. And I, I do think there's obviously going to be some, some stumbles there. I mean, you can't, you know, come up and expect to be, um, nearly as dominant as you were, which I mean is of course to be expected, but just because of the sheer number of Division One colleges in Texas alone, not to mention you have schools like Alabama and LSU and Oklahoma that all try to raid the you know the Texas pipeline every single year. Um, so I, I do think that it's not going to be as smooth as what some of the more optim- optimistic fans probably want it to be, but you know, good on them because not every team gets to move up, you know? And so I I hope that they embrace the challenge and, you know, I hope they rise to the occasion, but we will see when it finally happens. All right, Des, we've got a couple of more questions that we have to get to. And uh, if you're cool with it, we're going to do that right on the other side of this break. Let's get it. Welcome back, everybody, to the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I'm here with Dez. Dez, like I mentioned right before the break, man, we've got uh, we've got a couple of a couple more questions that we got to get to, and one of them is we are making our way up to the Big Ten, and we are talking about Minnesota and. Uh, it was asked of us, has P.J. Fleck done enough to earn his contract extension that uh, that he just received? So officially, his new contract now puts him with Minnesota through the 2028 season. He is eight games into his fifth season at Minnesota, and uh, he gets a little bit of a raise. He gets... Um, he gets a bigger budget, a bigger budget for his assistance, uh, but it also increases the buyout that he's going to have to pay if he chooses to jump ship at a later date. So, Des, based off of everything that Minnesota has done, I believe they're currently in first place in the Big Ten West um, so far this year. Um, how do you feel about PJ Flex' tenure at Minnesota? Um. I think this is a product of what we talked about earlier, right? You got a, all these programs ditching coaches uh, in the middle of the season. And now you have these, I don't want to say fringe coaches, these coaches that could elevate where they're at um, and go to these other programs. They're getting these early extensions. I, I think, hey, row the boat, baby. He's he's done it well. I love, I love the get up. Uh, a lot of my buddies don't. They think it's a, a snake oil salesman type thing. They think you have a lot of Tom Herman do him a bit. I actually like, I actually like Fleck. Um, he had a really interesting line. He said this: um, "We get to make a life here, not just make a living." And I think that is very difficult to find in our profession. I think that hits home, right? Like now that he can he can go to work and he's he's committed there 
and um like you said the 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 extensions the the budget for his his coaches that he wants to bring in is now there he has no excuses he has to win now there's literally no excuses um he's got to go beat the big boys he's got to beat the michigans he's got to beat the ohio state he's got to beat the michigan state he's got to go beat those teams because they're the school is now putting their money where their mouth is and now it's up to pj to, to knock it out so um good for him good for his family and uh maybe in a few years we see minnesota really being a contender you know it's wild because uh i mentioned earlier that he is you know, a little more than halfway through his fifth season with Minnesota. And what I find wild about that is in just five seasons, the man is now sixth all time in coaching wins for Minnesota, Um, which, you know, just it's so weird because you and I are fans of, you know, obviously you're a UT fan. I'm an LSU fan. There's Alabama fans out there and there's USC fans and, and Ohio state fans and Michigan fans. And with them, it is always national championship or bust, right? Like we're, we're not satisfied. Like, you know, nine and three to us is tragic. Um, but Minnesota, I think they're going about this the right way because they have realized, you know, that I think they've looked backwards and they've seen, you know, we, we haven't always even been even halfway relevant. And we finally have a coach here who is solid and, you know, eight to to 10 wins every single year is, is excellent for us. And so they decided to lock it down. And I think that there's a time to be ambitious and there's a time not to be. And I think they understand who they are. They've locked down their coach. They have committed to him and, just like you said, now it is time for him to repay that by rewarding them. And it doesn't have to be national championship or bust, but a big 10 title for sure. At, right. I mean, at least a couple over the next seven seasons. Is that fair Two two conference titles in a seven season span? I mean, that doesn't seem like too much to ask. No, I think that, and you know, you do that, you're going to be in the Rose bowl. So go get, go get some Rose bowls while you're at it. Um, but 2028 is a long time from now. I, and, and he almost certainly won't make it to the end of that contract if we're being realistic. But at least both him and the school, as of right now, have the security. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he nailed it with that. All right, man. We, uh, you know, it, it was interesting um, because we've been able to talk about coaches we've been able to talk about contracts and rankings and and all of these different things but the one thing that we haven't done this week um is talk about games and that's what we do every week thankfully we got bailed out here because our final question is about Ole Miss and Liberty and the way this question was posed is if Malik Willis and Liberty managed to pull the upset against Ole Miss and Matt Corral, who are presumably the first couple of quarterbacks taken in some order. Does that lock Malik Willis into the number one overall quarterback spot for the NFL draft this season? And while I don't necessarily think that's the case, Des, I kind of want to lob it up to you. We can talk about this game in general, but 
just from a quarterback standpoint, it, is there anything definitive that's going to be decided after this game? Definitive, no. Thank but perception, you. perception in the media and the way they, you know, do what they do at ESPN, yes. Obviously, it doesn't matter what what Kuiper and and all the people are saying. Um, it's going to be up to the GMs and the scouting department and all that, and the combine and how much weight they take there. So, definitively, no. But perception, probably yes. If that makes sense. Okay, let me follow it up with this. Right now, Ole Miss is listed as a nine and a half point favorite. Which, little tangent here, I find it incredible that Liberty has, according to Vegas, a better chance of upsetting Ole Miss than LSU does of upsetting Alabama. The spread between Alabama and LSU right now is 28 and a half points. And Des, I'm not doing well. Okay, back to this game. Um, is there a chance that Liberty wins this game? I think so. Look, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a shit ton of points. Uh, Hugh Freeze is gonna be ready to run up the score. I, I I think they're gonna. I think he's gonna want blood in the water when he plays Ole Miss. Hugh Freeze and, revenge game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I think. I think they've they've circled this game. I think I think Willis knows it. I think Hugh knows. I, I look. I've been wrong in all my predictions, but I think this is a sneaky game. Plus two eighty five money line. I may put a sprinkle on that just because um, Liberty's no joke. They had a lot of returners back from the COVID year. They're seven and two. Like obviously they're unranked, but. You, you know what I find incredible? Well, not incredible, I guess. I, sh- I probably overused the word incredible, especially here on this podcast with you. But something I do find interesting is, because uh, I don't think that we see this very often, Malik Willis and Matt Corral, we, we know that they're the leading passers for their respective teams. Coincidentally, they are also both the leading rushers for their teams. And uh, how often do you think we go into a game where the quarterbacks are both the leading passer and the leading rusher for their respective teams? I mean, this looks like a matchup that is going to be super fun. Um, You got two teams that are both averaging almost 40 points a game, putting up hella offense. They know how to sling the ball around. Um, I, man, I, it's one of those where, Logic says that Ole Miss should win, but I'm not necessarily discounting Liberty here yet. Um, Des, based off of what we see this weekend, are there any games in particular that you're going to be keeping your eye on? I'm assuming maybe Auburn A&M. But yeah, that's a game that I have circled. What about um, what about that game that has taken place at the exact same time? Are you interested at all in Baylor at TCU? Obviously, you know, we talked about Gary Patterson departing earlier, and this looks like it should be a runaway win for Baylor, but is this one of those games where the players at TCU kind of band together? Yeah, they might. Come I together for an interim ra- coach? Yeah. And yeah. circle the wagons a bit? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, all right, buddy. Yeah, I think the, the game of the week, though, is that Auburn a game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we better hope that Oregon doesn't stumble against Washington. Look, I, it definitely seems like the kind of game where they would stumble. They've stumbled there before. Um, 
UTSA gets take on UTEP. Um, this should be another win for UTSA there. Um, your Longhorns, man, they're taking on Iowa State. And I know we talked earlier about Iowa State being disappointing this season, but Iowa State is listed as a six and a half point favorite right now, Des. And uh, your team, come on, buddy. I know. I know. I'm gonna. I keep saying. Are I you doubling saying, down? Are you tripling down? I'm like quadrupling down now, right? Like, look, man. Texas is back. Texas is back. They win. <laughs> okay. They win. Right. They win by double digits. At least okay. in the first look, half. Look. The second half, they'll give up. You know, all of it times ten. But look, here's the thing: if, if games were decided in the first half, you'd be the national champion. But I can't let you sit here and say that Texas is back and allow the podcast to go on. So we're done. We're we're done for this week, guys. Listen, um, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris B McGeehee. You can find Des with his Texas is back takes at Apollo Des One. You can follow the socials at Road to Glory Pod, and of course, you can follow the main at Apollo H O U. Des, listen, don't say anything about Texas here. Is there anything else you want to say to the people before we get out of here? Nothing. Just I'm ready to watch some good college football and enjoy the fall. Absolutely, man. All right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in and we will talk to you soon.